Hey everybody, Jack here. What you're about to listen to is a very strange episode of this show. Uh, it's it's an episode that we did not plan on recording. It's something that just came to us recently um, and something we just finished recording. Um, and it came courteous of our friend Lance Bangs. Um, Lance Bangs, if you don't know who he is, he's been on the show multiple times. Um, a, a legend, honestly. He's a legend, but he's a video director. I, you should just Google Lance Bangs um, if you want. He's kind of hard to describe, but he's a legend. And more than anything, he's a guy who's, uh, I'd say, his whole career, he's kind of been in the right place at the right time. And um, this week, he's been down at Chaz or Chop, some people are calling it now, in um, Seattle, which is Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or now referred to as Capitol Hill organized protest i believe is the new abbreviation and we'll explain it a little bit more lance will actually explain it uh, himself but essentially what happened is that a group of protesters have taken over a section of seattle and have kind of built this little community uh, it's being portrayed in many various ways fox news is kind of making it seem like like this antifa hellhole like post-apocalyptic landscape and then um some people are kind of painting it as like a modern hate ashbury uh but essentially it's this area with no police the police have left and um it's being it's been taken over by the protesters and barricaded off so lance has been down there and at some point he met a guy um and hung out with him for quite some time and this guy has kind of become an unofficial mascot and a meme of Chaz or Chop. And um, you may have seen him before. He's this dude. Uh, he's a younger guy. He's wearing a mask and a beanie and holding an AR-15. And um, I mean, he's become a meme because Fox News was photoshopping him into all sorts of news articles about uh, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone to make it seem like this, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic hellscape being patrolled by Antifa super soldiers. Uh, so Lance met this guy, and then he called us up uh, to tell us all about it, and I actually have that call recorded. So I think it would be best if I just play a little bit of that call. Um, this is Lance Bang's uh, catching me and Brandon up on the situation. All right, so, I mean, Brandon, Lance called me earlier. Um, I'll catch you up, Brandon, to speed. Lance called me earlier. Uh, I guess he was down at the uh the autonomous zone in seattle where he met this guy is that correct lance and he's like um he's a dude who's gone viral recently because fox news keeps photoshopping him into pictures of the autonomous zone lance stop me if i'm getting this wrong at any point you met him started talking to him and then you told me that he has like a much more interesting story basically than just the fact yeah. that he's down there with a gun I, <laughs> he he seemed like a you know, reasonably interesting, sharp guy that has a lot more going on that I'd be curious about uh, him talking to you and, and seeing what he's comfortable or able to, to share or talk about. Yeah. Um, essentially, there's this region in a, a neighborhood called Capitol Hill in Seattle, Brandon, that um, I'm not sure if you've spent time up there performing in oh, that area. Very familiar with Capitol Hill. Yeah, John totally. Cornell used to live there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was imagining. Yeah. Um, so there happens to be a police precinct right at a major intersection, like on a corner on 12th, like on a major part of the top of the hill kind of community there. And that had been a flashpoint for a lot of demonstrations over the past couple of weeks. 
um, the police in that particular precinct were, you know, tear gassing and and being way more hostile towards the demonstrators than seemed necessary to most objective observers. Uh, there was someone who tried to drive a car through the demonstrators. And that person shot one of the demonstrators that tried to like, you know, pull them out of the car and stop them from driving through people. Um, that person then sort of like went straight up to the police and allegedly is like a brother of someone on the force and, you know, was able to just kind of like head in among them. A lot of weird stuff was going on. So late Monday night, one week ago, essentially, the police abandoned the precinct. Like they just sort of packed up their stuff and, and left. Uh, I guess it was technically early Tuesday morning, very late Monday night, after days of tear gassing and you know a lot of community outrage about why that was going on in the middle of this uh, this area. So the people of that area took the barricades that the police had been using and kind of set up a six block perimeter, like took the police's own abandoned barricades and like barricaded all of the uh, entrances so that vehicles couldn't come driving in through crowds or protesters. So there's a lot that's been going on. So I've been going up and sort of checking it out and spending time there and, and shooting personal footage and potentially some news footage. And one of the people that had been keeping an eye on the entrances and exits and you know sort of manning the barricades, there was a moment, and you should get him to tell the story so that I'm not paraphrasing incorrectly, but my understanding is that there were people that were kind of circling outside the perimeter on public Seattle streets that were on one of the passes kind of displaying weapons in the back of their vehicle. Um, I don't know exactly who they were, but it was like people that felt like they were there to menace the people inside the, the zone. So this particular person uh, got his AR-15 and his equipment on and, you know, kind of stood posed at one of the barricades to sort of, you know, send a signal of like, do not try and enter here. Someone took a photograph of that. That photograph got made available to Getty Images. And someone at Fox News took that one pose in a Getty image that I think was a nighttime shot and started photoshopping it and comping into all kinds of other thumbnails. So if you looked at what was supposed to be a video of like daytime downtown uh, events going on, you would see this one image of this guy standing there with an AR-15 photoshopped into the thumbnail on the video when it went up on Facebook or other places. And they were taking images from, you know, burning buildings in Minneapolis a week ago and similarly making thumbnails or comping them in as though that was what was happening in this neighborhood in Seattle right now. All of which is like incredibly deceptive and dishonest and not something that a, a genuine news source should be, should be doing. They kind of got called out by all the other media and tried to pedal it off as having been like a photo illustration as though that excuses it. And then I think eventually did take it down. But for this one man, all of a sudden he was this like living meme and was being like made to seem as though the entire thing was this like, armed bunker, Mad Max, barter town kind of thing, which is not really the case. Um, so spending more time talking to him and like the weird surreal thing he'd gone through with that news cycle of a couple days ago, he kind of revealed himself to be like a, a fairly interesting character. And I'm hoping that you guys will uh, have a conversation with him and see what he's comfortable talking about and, and filling you guys in on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I'm, I've been talking to him on signal and, um, Dude, I'm supposed to talk to him at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. So right on. It'll be interesting to see. Is there anything else I need to know before going in? I, I guess like, well, I don't want to, I don't know. It's weird because I'm recording this. I would say off mic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> off mic. I, I could edit stuff out. So 
I ended up talking to Lance a little bit more um, off the record. I mean, essentially, uh, he described a little bit more of just getting to know this guy and and uh, the tales that this guy was telling and um, and just kind of the stuff he was seeing down there at uh, Chaz or Chop. Um, and this episode is going to be us talking to um, this guy that Lance met. His, uh, he goes by James Madison. Once again, he's become kind of famous now as the dude with the AR-15 um, that's being photoshopped into all sorts of newest articles. Um, but this is, uh, this is a very, very strange story. Um, it's, I'm going to be presenting this unedited um, and kind of without context because uh, I don't even know what to make of it myself quite yet. This is, um, I, I do think this is a story that needs to be told. I think it's one of those that's just best um, presented really without an angle. Uh, I'm just going to dump our whole call on there, essentially, um, because this is uh, truly a very, very unique time in history. Um, and I, I have no way of fact checking what this guy is telling me, um, but I, I do think this is super important. Um, more than anything, it's just a, a, a weird time. I mean, this is a guy who, this is a, a young guy in his 20s uh, with his friends around the same age, and they're running around downtown Seattle with AR-15s, protecting a section of the city that they took over, and they're protecting it from other bad guys with with AR-15s, um, with their own intentions. And these are all kind of like new emerging political factions um and emerging political ideologies that i think uh most people don't even know about and in the case of chaz or chop people are calling it now i don't even think we know what to make of that quite yet i think it changes uh day by day and the end has not come for uh, the capitol hill autonomous zone and we don't really even know where it's headed or um, how it will be talked about in the history books. But w- what this episode is, is going to be a raw call with this guy, who we'll call James. Um, and I think, um, I think you should just listen and, um, and decide for yourself what to think. Um, more than anything, this is very fascinating. And um, I do think we're living through history right now. And... Um, this is a direct glimpse into a very, very bizarre part of it. Um, so without further ado, I present you the unedited call with the man known as James Madison. Welcome to Yeah, but Still. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm just doing my usual uh, being an online spoof thing and checking myself. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever works, man. Yeah. No, I, I gotta be. I gotta be super careful. We get death threats on the uh, order of hundreds per hour as security team members. That's myself, especially. That's <laughs> wild. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Brandon's on here. That's my co-host. Um, Hi. Nice to meet you. What, I guess. What would you um? What can we call you? Uh, let's just go with James Madison. That's what I've been going by since day one out here. All right. So, so I mean, what I know so far is that you, you're down at um, what's known as Chaz or Chop, I guess, uh, in Seattle. Chop uh, now. Chop. Been the uh, been the mutual agreement to uh, transition it from Chaz to Chop. Okay. So Capitol Hill occupied protest and specifically, um, I mean, I want to hear all about this, but specifically. Uh, you have been like, there's a picture of you that got taken and you've been photoshopped into all these articles and you had like this brief weird viral moment, I guess, um, of you holding, Uh, it's still going the different, as the different parts of the internet find it, the memes get better. Yeah. So (laughs) my favorite one is, uh, um, somebody photoshopped me in, in black and white to, uh, um, the, uh, the female suffrage movement. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which so, I thought was really cool. So can you explain, like, how did you get involved with um, being down at the, uh, you know, CHOP? How did you, what led up to you getting photographed uh, right there? Uh, like, uh, you cut out there briefly. I was, so. Oh, yeah. I was saying, what, what led up to you uh, being photographed in that picture? Uh, so we had... Um, we kind of, as the security operations team, we've got a threat level basis, uh, zero through four. So zero is, everything's all good. It's usually uh, about 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. We're on zero or threat level zero. Threat level one is we've got like a verbal argument or something going on somewhere that we're tracking and like it's starting to get a little heated. Two is, uh, well, we have confirmed uh, uh, white supremacist groups in the area or on scene, but they're not being aggressive. Three is uh, where they are being aggressive, where they're not being aggressive, but they've got like open carry weapons and uh, and like the possibility for risk is high. Uh, we were at threat level three when that photo was taken. Uh, we had a uh, a white pickup truck flying a Trump 2020 flag uh, circling the perimeter. It had three guys in it. It was like the big old lifted style pickup truck and had the Trump 2020 flag in the back, a big old Proud Boys sticker in the back window. And they had circled our perimeter uh, probably 20 or 21 times at that point. They pulled away and stopped in a parking lot across from my friend's building a couple blocks away. And he let me know. And he let me know that two guys had gotten out with AK-47s and gotten in the back. And they came back and circled our perimeter again, uh, like Iraqi technical style. Huh. Yeah, it was it was terrifying for me because I've been overseas a few times now, and well, I never thought I'd have to face a threat like that at home. Wait, so you've are uh, you a mem- member or ex member of the military yourself? Uh, yes. Interesting, and so that's like in you've been doing security down at this uh, organized protest, I guess it's called now, right? Yes, so I've been down here. Uh, I've been down here. I've been following since day one. I was actually on a flight back up here from uh, California on day one. Uh, and on day two is when I started coming out here and helping out uh, some of the rest of the crew. And so, uh, 
people realize pretty quickly I've got a, I guess I've got a good head on my shoulders and I know what I'm doing and talking about because we haven't really had an incident past threat level three since then, other than uh, not last night, but the night before. So, so, okay. So basically I want to get a little more into that moment. So you, so there was that threat level, the proud boys uh, pickup truck happened. You, did you have your rifle on um, you at the time or did you go and fetch it? Uh, I went and fetched it. I keep, uh, so my black Jeep has also kind of been over alt right Twitter. Cause I've, I follow them around when they leave our perimeter to figure out what their vehicles are. So they all know my car. Uh, and, uh, I, of course I pull my license plates off. So I keep my Jeep close by to wherever I'm out of either down at 12th and Pike, which is kind of our main entry, like our main barricade because it's just a long straight flat road. And uh, that's kind of our biggest concern in terms of people trying to come in and run people over. Uh, I keep my Jeep up there as, as something as we would call what a kinetic barricade, something really big and really heavy that we can move easily. So a car or a truck or something. And usually in the case of uh, night shifts, my Jeep. Got it. So and I keep my I keep my rifle and my uh, and my uh, plate carrier, my bulletproof vest, and with like my extra magazines and stuff. So, in my play carrier ready to go and i've i've practiced for this situation i'm i really hate to say that i'm kind of a paranoid person but i've seen what the world can devolve to so i i practice and run drills and things based on possibilities in the world so one of those drills i run is uh how fast can i get 100 meters from essentially my front door to my jeep get my kid up and get ready to rock and roll or something yeah um so so also i think okay so i want to back up even a little bit more because a lot of people don't know uh a ton about chop and how it even started so when did you first how did you first get involved with um the capitol hill organized protest like what what brought you in there and um and for those who don't understand like what started uh this area i guess in the first place uh, yeah. So what kind of started in the first place, we've had, uh, weeks upon weeks of, uh, basically police acting as tyrants, uh, disobeying, uh, the mayor's order and the to uh, stop use of, uh, like heavier, like gas based, like chemical weapons based, less than lethal weapons and, uh, um, things like that. The police department has been, yeah, sure. We'll do it. And then that night they tear gassed us again. And that, that sucked. I mean, it's just been, we've been protesting against police brutality and we're met with police brutality. So we finally, uh, the Seattle police chief finally decided to pull her, uh, drop my phone there, uh, decided to pull her people out of the, uh, Eastern precinct of the Seattle police department, which is right here in Capitol Hill, uh, right next to Cal Anderson park, one block up in the corner of Cal Anderson park on, uh, on 12th and pine street, uh, well, 12th and East pine in, uh, Seattle. And so she did that because uh, all of her officers at that point had been working 12 hours on, 12 hours off, seven days a week. And they were starting to get exhausted and they were having manpower concerns. So they came in, they pulled all their gear and all their stuff out of the Eastern Precinct. And uh, then we stepped in as just protesters and took over the zone. Just this few block radius or yeah, few block radius in every direction we got uh, from we got the block of 10th and uh, of 10th and Pike all the way up to the, um, I want to say it's 10th and 
Denny is our one side. And then we bring that up to um, 11th, 11th, where we have 11th and Pike to 11th and Olive. And then the next block up, we've got 12th and Pike to 12th and uh, 12th and Olive. And then we've got uh, and we've got Pine Street, again, from 10th all the way up to the 13th Street block. Uh, it's kind of, we operate, we try really hard as a security team to make sure we're not interfering with the businesses here or the residents here. And if we are doing something that interferes with them, that we get it resolved as quickly as possible. And so I stepped in because I saw a need for uh, active leadership and security without a background. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, the first day was absolutely terrifying. It was uh, uh, my uh, my co-security lead for our security team. There's several security teams in the area that handle different things. Uh, Slate, Slate, and I carry uh, um, carry pretty much the burden 50-50 on handling barricades and making sure they're manned and make sure people aren't coming to try and hear and do crazy things. And then we also coordinate with the, uh, um, with like, the, we've got crisis response, uh, like EMS people who are trained to like help escalate situations and things. So we work really closely with them to rather than to keep fights and getting them to break and letting them break out. And then we having to like body slam someone 99.9995% of our incidents now, uh, that's not an accurate percentage, but that's just the, we've only had one incident out of the hundreds we've had that has actually gotten to the point where like a punch was thrown or something got violent. And we handled that really quickly. Um, we can we responded to it. Uh, a couple of punches were thrown and we got them apart. We calmed both parties involved down. And even then from it had gotten to violence and we pulled it all the way back down to calm and understanding. And we talked about things that's been, everything thus far inside the uh inside the chop since day one uh but day one was really terrifying we had uh we did have a couple of like ee trucks with three percenter and proud boy and like thin blue line stickers circling and stuff and slate and i were running around uh i didn't have my rifle and kit on me but slate was running around with uh with her weapon with her rifle uh for a little while uh, making sure everything was held down and making sure that that's weren't going to come in here and start shooting people because ultimately that is some of their goal to cause harm on people of color because they don't like them because they're finally speaking out. So, and so that's, this is, that's <laughs> this is fascinating to me too, because I think a lot of people in the general public are pretty confused. Um, with a lot of these, I mean, I know who you're talking about, like three percenters, um, there's all sorts of like these like kind of, you know, these small uh, emerging groups that are sort of um, hard to understand for the common person. You know, like how do you how do you align yourself politically and um, and how how do you differ from these other guys? Because a lot of people just see like a young dude with an AR-15 and they make assumptions, you know, like young white guys, short hair, AR-15 big black scary gun. Oh no. What do I do? He's probably going to try and do something. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. I, I, I was really reading up on the, the boogaloo boys. <laughs> yeah. There's also the boogaloo this. boys. Oh, that that's a whole, I think, I genuinely think you guys could do a whole episode on just the idea of boogaloo boys because there's so many different facets to it, but I'll, I'll touch lately on that as part of the explanation of, yeah. Uh, I really, I align myself, uh, left of center, but not far, but not like hard left. I don't want to use far left because it makes us sound like white supremacist. 
Uh, one sec. I gotta. Uh, I'm not on comms. I'm on something. Uh, give me thirty. Uh, are we good? Are we at a threat level? Uh, where? Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, are we still at threat level one? Are we still at threat level one? Uh, yeah, it feels everything feels calm. I haven't had cool. any, uh, awesome. Just the just people up at twelfth and pine. Uh, what do we have? The uh, the there's some religious guys here chatting at people and stuff. Uh, I think we have it handled. Okay, I gotta I gotta get back to this. Let me know what happens. Yeah, we have. <laughs> it's a constantly evolving uh, landscape out here. It's, yeah, it's that crazy. was a little taste. Uh, Holy shit! Like one for guys. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I turned off my radio and for this reason, because it's, it's been going off the entire time. <laughs> so the Boogaloo so, yeah. guys, you were saying, I mean, because that's like, yeah, there's um, they're new and I've I'm pretty tapped in and I'm only slightly uh, begun to understand them. Um, but you were going to explain them. a uh, bit. Yeah. Uh, so the Boogaloo boys, uh, they're uh, the quick and dirty version is. They're a, the core ideal of the Boogaloo boys is let's overthrow the government, burn it to the ground and institute our own. These guys are getting tyrants. And, uh, that's the core thing. The problem is, is a lot of that stretches from, Oh, I want to institute my alt-right pseudo neo-Nazi government in place of our current quote unquote tyrannical. Are we good? Um, can I back this? Oh my God! Yes. Uh, can you can you can you bring her over here now? We just got our most amazing thing ever. Oh my gosh! What we have been we've got yeah we have a tactical a very large tactical issue that I'll touch on as well okay. in a second. Uh, it's I, good. A good thing happened. Uh, yes, this is a fantastic thing that happened. I'm in the middle of an interview. Hi, I'm James. I'm our I'm our current on shift uh, of essentially security lead. Yes, uh, James. Uh, you have been the one thing. I'm not sure if you've seen what they've dropped on us yet, which is great for the citizens and the businesses and things, but is extremely scary from a security standpoint. Uh, yes. So all of those red is where they're dropping concrete barricades with a slight alteration down here where they're going to do a diagonal in front of this business so we still get some space there. Uh, um, Seattle Transportation and... Stuff. Not just Seattle parks. Oh, yeah, they're not going to make this not accessible. We're going to get one lane traffic through this during the day. That way, we don't block the artery that is 12. But the problem is, is if you think about it, the amount of guys who want to come out here and do harm to us. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, our biggest issue is with that. Um, our biggest issue with that is not having roof access, but with that plan is how close anybody can just drive up and do whatever. So I was wondering if you would be okay. Of yeah, we can set up video, but the big thing is if somebody rolls up in a truck and they got three guys in the back, I'm sure you've seen the photo of me running around the news, the Photoshop job. Uh, that's me. Uh, the reason I was out there in full kit was because we had guys rolling around Iraqi technical style in the back with AK 47s that were proud boys. So, I will give you a call once I'm done with this. You are amazing. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I kind of went at it. That was as mad as I get. Yeah. So I uh, 
Thank you. Please let me know if I am. Yeah. It's basically, we've been here the whole time. Yeah, with all of this. Behind the police. Yeah. Okay. I, oh. Thank you so, so much. Um, so with all of this, like being seen as part of the police station. Yeah. And being happy. Uh, I'm still on this. Uh, are we still at threat level one? Oh, yeah. good copy. Um, remind me, James? James. Okay, I'm going back home and... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get your phone number and I will give you a call. Thank you so, so, so much. You were an amazing help. Oh, oh my gosh, that is a huge weight off my shoulders. Yeah. Oh my. What happened? What just so, happened? Uh, so this morning, uh, we some of us on the security team have been affectionately calling it the insult. They're uh, so down 12th Avenue. They're opening it up to uh, crossway traffic. Like basically, they're using the bike lane and the uh, one lane there to do two lane traffic, like sure. one way or the other. Uh, but we they were getting a concrete barricade on the sidewalk and around the precinct and then up across down uh pine and then up onto 11th we're getting half of that street so they can come up 12 hang a left on pine and make a right on 11th and the only thing separating us is uh, a half height concrete barricade got it and you understand from a tactical situation that is absolutely terrifying yeah uh, I would actually love it uh, when this gets posted if you cut out the part about what we're planning to do on the roof because we do not need that slipping out because they have Intel guys too and they're trying to find holes in our plans. Sure. <laughs> um, it's it's bad. Yeah, I could bleep stuff. Um, but yeah, Please. so... Um, I'm sorry. We could go back to what you were talking about before but I was also just... I mean, hearing that right now, it's yeah. like, okay, this is no joke. Like, you know, uh, it's easy... Is- a lot of people out here think it's uh, this is awesome. It's a nice little like summer street fair kind of thing. Like that's the vibes we get here during the day and stuff. But it is a literal war zone. It is a powder keg. It is, but not even a powder keg because of the people here. The enemies of this group of people. It is the racist. It is the fascists that are here that are li- that still live in this country, even. In what 60, 70 years after World War II, you were starting to explain and, your political ideologies and the difference, and you were also kind of explaining the Boogaloo Boys. Um, so yeah, you said so your the, the Boogaloo Boys, uh, their, their gig is they want to get rid of the government so they can institute their own that they see can be done better. The problem is, is their version of done better stretches from really, really close to neo Nazi fascist to uh anarcho-capitalism mm-hmm. somewhere along that spectrum is usually where the Boogaloo Boys fall. There's few and far between that sit uh, left of center liberal uh, guys who enjoy their gun rights and like all of that, but really have a lot of founded problems with our government and our situations and things. Yeah. And then who are the three so, percenters? Um, that, uh, the three percenters, uh, it comes back to a time of uh, oh boy, there's three people. I'm sitting in my Jeep in front of our ops center. There's three people who just walk by my Jeep and just film me and are taking all kinds of photos and things of my Jeep. Cool. Good thing my license plates are off. Uh, the three percenters are, um, it comes back to the time, like if you look back at colonial days where only 3% of the country fought against the uh, fought against the British and we won and won our independence. 
and that turned into uh, a group of guys who feel that they they classify themselves as the three percent who can fight back to get liberation from whatever they see fit. Yeah. The problem is is a very large majority of those are also uh, very very racist slash fascist, and they have their ideals and a power trip if one of them was in power would result in a lot of really bad things and a lot of really bad places yeah. for a lot of people. Um, uh, so, yeah. And then, so where do you fall into all this? Like what, and what brought you here to, you know, I mean, you're, uh, it sounds like you're doing overnight shifts at this. Like what, not many people would do that. I what mean, brought you here? Politically? Uh, we've got, we've got a good crew of people here. Uh, what puts me here though is, uh, Last Monday, a week ago now, when the guy drove into the group of protesters uh, attempting to hit them, stomped on the brakes, and then shot one of them. Yeah. That's really what brought me, really kind of what that hammer hit nail. Uh, oh my gosh, there's an actual threat. Yeah. We have a valid, real threat where these people who are peacefully protesting and just doing their thing have these people who want them dead and will will possibly go to any means necessary to do so. And the other problem with that is some of these guys who view that are also police. And that's where kind of the, they tie together police brutality and the, like the, the alt-right fascist and racist groups. So you saw that um, and that's when you, that's what brought you out. Yeah. Uh, I was actually uh, sitting on a plane heading back to Seattle uh, from another place for, I was out for work. I do, I do a decent bit of airline travel. I fly to all of our data centers and stuff for work. And uh, what's your, are uh, you still military or is this, you, you said uh, you, no, I, um, I'm former military, former military. Got it. So you, yes. you're traveling a lot for work. Yeah, I travel a lot. I do, I do cybersecurity and network engineering now. Got it. That so. makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, you seem to know your stuff with like, uh, encryption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were coming back and when were you, I mean, I don't want to like make you reveal too much, but like, what was your, what what's your military background? Uh, whatever you're comfortable telling. Uh, so military background, uh, I really don't want to disclose that because the military background that I had is a very, very tight knit community in terms of that part of the military, mm-hmm. uh, based on, I'm just going to leave it at, I did door kicker things. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did the stuff that we, that our government doesn't speak of. Got it. And you were, I mean, where were you staying? I, I, I will confirm branch. I was in the Marine Corps. Okay. So, and what what region so, of uh, region of the world? Kind of maybe me having Navy Seal. <laughs> yeah. What what region uh, are we talking? Oh, uh, one more time. What region of the world were you? Uh, uh a couple different regions. Uh, Middle East, and then some others. Got it. So, and was that a long yeah. time ago or fairly recently? Uh, fairly recently. I'm only, uh, I'm only 26. So. Okay. And now you're here. I mean, I guess that's the fascinating thing to me is that you went from kicking indoors in the Middle East to now you're here running this kind of like 
you know, this, uh, what do you, what would you even call like this o- occupation of uh, downtown Seattle, you know, and running a security and, I'm not really, and yeah, I'm not really, ru- I, I don't want to like no, say running, running security, running security. Got, there's a bunch of other people doing that. I'm just here to make sure everyone stays safe. We're here to, the security team is here to protect the people. Yeah. So, I mean, you're very involved though. Um, I try to be. I mean, security kind of has to keep an eye on everything that's going around. So we we, we get our hands dirty and everything, so to speak. How many security guys are there over there? Uh, hmm. Well, disclosing that number, screw us over. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we don't want you to do that. I don't want to. Yeah, let's go with greater than 80. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Whoa. So who... You know, it's weird because you, I guess you have experience in one war zone and you've described this as a war zone as well, but who's your enemies now, you know, and what do they want? Because the logical thing would be that it would be the police is the enemy right now. I guess that sparked it, but they're yeah. gone. So who, who's your enemy now? Uh, so the police is the enemy in one aspect in that of they've gone and they've committed crimes against the people. But right now, they're not really a threat. Um, they're they're pulled out of the precinct, except for uh, at the bare minimum seven of them. We've seen seven different faces now in in the upper like second story windows of the precinct. Uh, we we see them kind of poking around when like stuff gets active. We've got concerts right in front of the precinct. Uh, so far, we've done it almost every night now. Like real last night, we had a really loud punk concert, and there was three or four of them up there. We've seen uh, seven different faces now, so we know there's at least seven inside the precinct. Um, they're not really our threat right now. They're our, uh, they're subdued. They're, they understand that there's nothing they can do. We're here, and we're here in a fashion that is, uh, um, yeah, we're here in a fashion that is against police brutality mm-hmm. rather than uh, like rather than just viewing them directly as, Oh, they're big bag and scary and we need to end their lives. No, that's not what we're viewing as the police. They're not currently actively trying to harm us. I define enemy is anybody currently making attempts to actively harm us. Uh, and right now that is, uh, that is the, the fascists and the racists. We've been, we've got a handful of guys who their entire job on our security team is getting into their Facebook groups and their telegram, like messaging groups and their, their private Reddit boards and things like that. And our Intel team's done a really bang up job. We've gotten a lot of reports that are, uh, that are very well founded. And we've found a lot of these vehicles and we've built like license plate databases and we built a license plate database for vehicles for plausibly dangerous vehicles based off of, uh, some of these guys twitters and stuff so, um and so it's just art is those who are out there intending to come into our zone i mean it's free ingress and egress for everyone we're not stopping iding people and all that but our job as security is to try to be a little bit more proactive towards uh possible threats around our perimeter before they come inside the perimeter and start hurting the people and those are our enemies, are the people who intend to do harm to the peaceful protesters and the gatherers and the demonstrators here. Yeah. Um, what's your What's your life like outside of this? I mean, uh, um, 
you know, like, like this, outside, this can't be your, when your I go home normal. From yeah, this, what's going on at home? If this wasn't going on. Yeah, what like <laughs> if this wasn't going on? What's your what's your life like normally? You're 26. Uh, I play a lot of video games. I'm a craft beer nerd, uh, and I hang out at home with my dog and my girlfriend usually. And so, is this your is Seattle your hometown <laughs> or is it like? Uh, no, uh, my hometown is actually, uh, I, I'm just gonna give the closest major city. Yeah, you don't have to... like 20 miles away. Yeah. Uh, uh, Washington DC. I, I born, born there, grew up there, spent the first oh, so is Brandon. years of my life there. Same. Yeah. You guys might be from the f- same town, honestly. Uh, we might be. We're, we're around the same age. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it starts with an S and is at the, uh, Southernmost part of the WMATA transit map. Yeah, oh, something like that. S. Okay, I'm very familiar. Yeah. I'm very familiar. Yeah. With the stop on the metro. James, can you still Did hear you us? Out? Um, James. He, he left. I started making small talk about high school. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "I got a dip." Hang on. Um. Uh, uh, yeah. There we go. My uh, hey. my phone did its thing. It's and- okay. We'll cut that out oh, anyway. Shoot, it dropped a 3D. Oh, they fired up a Stingray. Oh, boy. They're starting to harvest comms now. We need to get our encrypted comms network up today. What is What is oh, What boy. happened? Uh, so, Stingray is a uh, cell phone interception device, like uh-huh. recording device. And uh, they just turned one on because I have, where I've been sitting all day, I've had full bars of 4G LTE, and it just dropped a 3D. <laughs> so, they uh-huh. turned on a Stingray to force our phones down to 3D and insecure connections so they can steal all of our data. So, okay. You were just telling us about your personal life. There's like, yeah. I'm kind of torn here because I take you for your word, but like this is, for our audience, it's kind of strange because it's like, there's two ways to hear this and react, you know? Like, there's one yeah. one way of hearing it where it's like, okay, this is like an ex-military dude who like really knows his shit and does cybersecurity and is out there protecting this like very real wild situation but then there's also i mean this i don't mean to be offensive but like there's a chance it's like oh maybe this is just like some like paranoid crazy guy who like is just like (laughs) out of his off his rocker out there like saying stuff you know and like yeah like cosplaying you know what like yeah i guess yeah (laughs) like doing a larp basically like and i think there are those guys out there right like can you speak yeah. to that I, i've seen i've seen the comments on the memes go home you filthy larper you're just a child who doesn't know what you're doing and i'm sitting here i'm like oh if only you knew yeah <laughs> what's so. what's motivating you to be out there keeping the people safe to be honest uh that's when i enlisted in the military i took an oath to protect and defend the constitution of the united states and first amendment the right to peacefully gather the right to free speech and it comes under threat so it becomes my civic duty to make sure that these people's first amendment right is protected yeah what did you think when you heard about uh trump possibly sending the military in to these various protests <laughs> uh he would have to he would have to enact the insurrection act and uh that takes a lot to do and congress is not on board all of the major military leaders are not on board. Uh, 
retired General James Mattis came out with a statement uh, saying that uh, Trump was an enemy of the United States and an enemy to the U.S. Constitution uh, because he was trying to use the U.S. military on its own people. When that happens, we can, we become no better than anyone we've, we've viewed or had as an enemy in any war that the United States has ever been in, uh, all the way from the Revolutionary War to today. Uh, when you become, when you begin using your military on your people to get what you want, you become a dictator. It is, it is the textbook definition of fascism. A fascist dictator goes in and he uses, he lies to get what he wants to take over people's, like, win the hearts and minds for a little while, get his thing together, and, uh, then he starts turning the people against themselves and then he brings in the military or I keep using he in, in the leadership fashion brings in the military to enact the rules he wants to make things exactly how he wants them to be. Yeah. I mean, so we were talking about the LARPing aspect and stuff. I think, I think um, a very, very, surreal aspect of all of this is that uh, just like the times we're living in right now creates this sense that um things don't feel real like m- we were all living in captivity basically you know bunkered in because of coronavirus which is still going on and i'm still yeah. I mean, most of the country is still on lockdown like including myself from quarantined and then i'm talking to you and you're out there in a part of Seattle that's been like taken over and you're running security details, it, it's like, this is the real world, but it sounds like a fever dream. You know, I feel like, yeah, like literally right honestly, now, my first day out here, I couldn't stop thinking, am I dreaming? Am I like that fall asleep playing the division? Is that what this is? Yeah. <laughs> it really kind of started to set in the uh, second day. It was very, uh, uh, it was very surreal the second day when I realized we needed to go immediately to threat level four because we had, well, not threat level four, but threat level three. Um, threat level four is our shots are being fired. People are getting injured. We need to, we need to regroup, organize, and put an end to the situation now. Uh, we, had a, we had a threat level three situation. We had a, um, we had a, um, he, had, he was around a Trump 2020 t-shirt and uh, had an assault rifle across his chest. Safety was off. Uh, I saw him send the bolt home to put a round in the chamber and he was not easy, low ready. It was, uh, it, yeah, it was low ready to rock and roll. It was not low carry, which is low carry. You're like your, your non-dominant hand is usually on top of the hand guards. Low ready is uh, like, hands under ready to bring your weapon up and use it. And he was super tense. And so we went straight to threat level three and we did our best to kind of just chant him out of here. That was day two. And that's when I realized it was real. Yeah. I mean, that sounds extremely intense. So yeah. And you guys were able to get him out of there. Yeah. We were able to, he finally eased back, went back to kind of um, carry just low carry and, just hand on top of the weapon. I'm um, like on top of the uh, forward part of the weapon. He finally just gave up, realized we weren't going to sit here and listen to him yelling about how we're all crazy. And he just, left. so, um, is that, I mean, you might've just answered my next question, but I was going to ask you, what is the most, um, dangerous or intense thing that's happened with so far? 
um, in uh, Honestly, we have uh, – that isn't it. That is not the most dangerous or intense situation we've had so far. Uh, we had um, – uh, do I want to talk about the small business or do I want to talk about the Bronco? Uh, they talk both about both. Equal- uh, yeah, so we've had this, uh, we've had this, uh, this, this kind of Ford electric or like dark electric blue Bronco that has been circling our perimeter. He's got like a fancy camera on a tripod in his passenger seat and he pulls up, he goes around, he pulls up to each of our barricades real slow. Like he comes to almost a complete stop real slow, make sure to pan and zoom in on all of our faces at each barricade who's standing guard duty. And he circles two or three times. And I finally said, fuck this. I'm getting in the, I'm getting in the Jeep and I'm going to pursue this guy and get him out of here. We don't know what his intention is. Maybe he's like prepping for his video to go up on, uh, um, up on, uh, um, what is the one site? The site where all the, um, the, the r slash watch people die, like a murder and lively kind of thing that he's going to that. Live. And he was just, yeah, lively. That's yep. it. And he's, we're not sure if he's preparing to go do something like that. So we went straight threat level three. We locked the barricades down and, uh, I'm like, okay, we have enough people on site who are armed concealed carry. We're still going to appear to be at threat level two, or at least a more relaxed threat level three. I'm going to go chase this guy. So I hop in the Jeep and I pursue him and we end up getting about, I ended up uh, losing him about eight or nine blocks away. Cause he, uh, he popped a U-turn after blowing through a red light loop by me cut a right and then i lost him in the neighborhood but he's uh he's shown up uh one more time and that was uh that wasn't last night but the night it was the night before um he showed up and he had a uh, um at this point we had we had gotten his license i had gotten his but i was pursuing him so we found his twitter and he had posted uh something along the lines of i think i'm gonna go shoot some protesters oh man and oh, so man. when i found his twitter i i I reported the tweet and the tweet got taken down, but he's, he circled again last night. So I, I kitted up, uh, same thing as, uh, the first night with me in full kit, uh, just a slight change of attire shoes. Uh, but, uh, I kitted up and he circled a couple more times, circled third time. Uh, and when he circled third time, I kind of um, stood up from the, uh, from like the kneeling position I was behind a barricade and he saw me in full kit and he left he he zoomed down a uh, different path than the original incident but uh with the proud boys in the back of the pickup truck but he zoomed off and uh just blew right by the other two right next to the other two barricades uh would be uh so i was at 12th and pike again he blew by 11th and pike and 10th and pike and just kept going down pike street and we haven't seen him since and he hasn't posted anything on twitter since so huh. it's That's uh, scary it's a little terrifying yeah but that's that that was the that's the Bronco incident. Uh, last night we had an incident where uh, an individual, of, according to some of the other like local homeless people, he's also a local homeless person, uh, broke into a business and uh, um, he hopped the fence and uh, broke into the business and uh, the business owner and tried to light a fire and the business owner showed up really fast and uh, got his uh, he got his stuff together and uh, like he got this guy. And it was him and his business partner had this guy uh, down on the ground behind one of their pickup trucks in the parking lot after they popped the guy. They had him kind of face down and they were kind of holding him at gunpoint, making sure he wouldn't run because the guy was refusing to uh, let him, uh, like the guy was refusing to let the business owner pat him down so they could get their stuff back. They 
three sets of keys he stole because uh, it was an auto shop. And uh, so we got word of it over the radio because uh, we've got people who listen to uh, like ESPD scanners and dispatch because they don't they don't have encrypted systems uh, for interoperability for whatever reason. And uh, um, so we we've got people listen to the scanners and they let us know that SPD was not going to dispatch this situation because it's too close to our borders. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so you got there. Um, yeah. So we got there, we showed up on scene and, uh, it was a good tense 45 minutes or so before they let this guy go. And yeah, it was a real tense 45 minutes where they let this guy go. And it, as they were letting him go, I'm not sure, I guess one of the passerbys had caught over one of our radios what was going on. Just a, a mob of people had come up from inside the uh, the shop to this business that was out on our edge of the barricade. And they were pissed because it was a person of color who was being held at gunpoint, being interrogated, and the police weren't showing up. And so uh, uh, three or four of them slammed into the fence and knocked down like the gate they had and like 20 or 30 people stormed in and started like screaming at business center and stuff. So me and three other security staff who had already been on site who had responded because, well, in all reality, we're not judge and jury executioner. We are here to keep the peace. And so we were trying to get, there's four of us, uh, yeah, there's four of us armed on site. And then we were all, we were all concealed carrying. And uh, so we got, uh, we, we finally got the business center to agree to let him go as this angry mob rushed up. And uh, so angry mob rushes up, knocks down the fence. So me and the other four security guys respond. We get the fence back up and we start to take situational control of what happened. And now there's like 150 people outside this fence. There's four of us inside holding the gate up. I call for reinforcements over our radio. We get about five or six more guys and then uh, a few more security guys from uh, one of our medic teams and uh, a couple other guys to show up and we ended up having, we spent another hour and a half diffusing the crowd and getting them to disperse so we could safely, well, one, get the fence, the fence gate to this business uh, mounted back on its like slide rail because it was the gate to their parking lot and uh, um, get everything dispersed and hooked up. And uh, yes, oh my gosh, we're bringing the steel barricades in around the security ops center. Fantastic. That is good. I think uh, uh, the most surreal and, thing about this is that I'm hearing you tell these things and a few months ago I was like looking at like met like obscure metal records in this very neighborhood where you're now like putting up barricades, you know. I was like getting a nice coffee yeah. and like shopping for records there. Um yeah. where, where you're now running around with AR fifteens and like uh the police are gone. This is so strange. Yeah, I was I, I was in this area doing an alternative comedy show for two hundred people, you know. And now look, not long ago, and now it's it's like you know you're you're telling these stories, and it sounds like you're you know you're talking about like rebuilding, like trying to like rebuild Baghdad or something, uh, under <laughs> George Bush's presidency it's, or something. It's terrifying. It is. It is genuinely terrifying. Here, one second. I gotta get yeah, like, security guys is... there. Uh, hey guys, uh, for the barricades, can we get both the steel ones against that wall behind the fire spigot? Holy uh, shit! Can you tell them uh, the both the steel barricades, the fire spigot right there? I want them 
directly against the wall, linked together on our side of that spigot. Uh, leave about six inches so the fireman, if, if need be, if it does end up coming to that, uh, can get in there, get their hose screwed on, get that opened up. Uh, yes. Uh, no, like push that one directly against the wall and have that other one linked up. And we've got a couple more we can move and get put there. This being our op center, I want something you saw you saw the insult you know yeah uh if you can get up and make that happen thank you um, yeah wow. like we call can it you people. can you describe can you describe capitol hill pre-autonomous zone it's like a hip uh, it's like a chill neighborhood yeah it's always been a fantastic neighborhood there's always lots of people it's uh it was designed really as a very uh able to get to anything you need uh within walking distance uh extremely easily so there's a there's a whole foods a block away there's a qfc which is like another grocery store chain there's a there's a couple of there's three or four bars there's a liquor store right like a proper liquor store right here there's all kinds of food oh man and it's just always been a place where they come and do things and there's the there's the big old soccer pitch, the turf soccer pitch, and there's all the calendars in park where everyone's always walking their dogs and just hanging out and playing frisbee or whatever. So, and it's always been a nice, cool, calm, awesome neighborhood. Did you used to li- uh, hang out there before this? Uh, I have a friend who lives a few blocks away, and we there's a pizza joint right here that we really really like. Uh, so, so there's pizza joint and there's. There's Baca Bok, the chicken place that we really like. Got so we, it. we would walk over here. So you're you're from Washington. Paseo is near nearby. Oh, sandwiches at Paseo. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jack. What were you gonna say, Brandon? I was just gonna say great sandwiches at Paseo. Oh, you're plugging. You're, every, you're yeah, plugging Seattle. places. <laughs> yeah, all the Seattle. Seattle's a lot like DC. There's they really care about their food and things. They really, they really care about their like, Oh, Hey, there's all these really good restaurants that are just here mm-hmm. for all of the different types of food and doing like, that's one thing I do miss about living in DC is I could get any type of food I wanted from almost any cuisine within two miles. So where do you, where'd you move to? You're not in DC anymore. Do you live out there now? No, I, I live. Oh uh, yeah, I live out here. I got a, I got one of those job offers with uh, enough zeros at the end to say yes to without ever thinking about saying no. Yeah, of course. So I moved out here. I moved out. I actually moved out here in December. So oh, nice. So after you're... after I left Virginia, after I got in the military, I lived in I lived in Nashville for a little bit, and uh, so. So, see, so your girlfriend is at home with your pet. You said. Yeah, the girlfriend's at home with with our husky puppy. <laughs> what does she think of all this? Uh, she's actually been out here a couple times. She thinks it's super cool. I try to not uh, kind of, she, she, she really, really worries about me. So I really try to not talk about all the security things and stuff that we do. Yeah. I do try to as little as possible. So she's just at home chilling. Yeah. She's just at home chilling. She came out, uh, she came out yesterday, uh, during the uh during the day um so has she wanted you to come home at all or what's like what's you know what's the dynamic there uh i stay i stay 
here right well i'm on site now 18 to 24 hours a day as of this morning because of uh because of what they're uh the the tack the horrific planning for our safety that this new barricade plan is that the city is proposing i mean they're giving us half height three-quarter ton concrete barricades which i'm all for but they're doing it in a fashion that although it's designed to keep us safe was not thought from the perspective of we are fighting people who want us to die yeah i mean so what is the goal of chop now because i think that's like one thing that i haven't i mean I, i i get it myself um but in terms of this podcast I mean, we've been talking mostly about security, but it, it is weird to consider that the city is kind of like sort of cooperating with you. What What is the goal of CHOP? Like, what is, what's this all about? Uh, what, so is, what do they want? The mayor is quickly, uh, other than the fact that we've kind of, the way we set up, ended up blocking off entrances to a few businesses. And uh, that's part of the agreement with the city is we, we move a little bit. We're losing a little bit of floor space, getting a little bit of space back in other places. Uh, getting more space for us. They're getting us power and uh, like Porter Johns and trash collection and stuff, which is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, they're getting us, they're getting us a decent bit of stuff and we give them back. We give the businesses back kind of their sidewalks and half the road spaces and stuff. And I think the city kind of really wants to coexist with our, uh, I'm not going to lie. Our, it's a tiny little commune the city wants to be able to coexist with it because they really, the mayor really likes the vibe of like the street festival and things that it is. She came out and I want to say that was on Friday. So. Yeah. You guys have like a little anarchist community kind of right now. I mean, it yeah, sounds exactly. like a, it does sound like a great vibe. Who, uh, who books it? Uh, is, is it a joke, Brandon? What do you mean by like, yeah, you're making yeah, a joke. I was, I was like, yeah. I wasn't actually wondering who books the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we do have a sound stage that we set up in the evenings and stuff right in front of the uh, right in front of the precinct. I'm pretty sure we could get you out here if you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Do a set. I'm, I mean, I'm down. <laughs> that would. Yeah. I, I would. Love I mean, that. I mean, it's no U Street Music Hall, but it's nice. Damn. Okay. Wow. Yes, this man knows <laughs> venues. I would love to talk to you about venues and restaurants it, at, a, oh. at a different time. At a different time, we, for we sure. Were, we, we did a live pod at U Street. Yeah, we Music performed Hall. at U Street. Show at U Street Music Hall. This guy knows. We've got a lot in common. We've got a lot. In common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just happy U Street isn't... Uh, so the first time I went up to U Street is uh, when I was in high school. I would go to a hackerspace in a church. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, it's like one block over from U Street. Uh, you just get off the U Street Metro and walk like four blocks. Uh, it's a hackerspace called Hack DC. It's like a makerspace. They got 3D printers, like 3D printers and like large metalworking tools and stuff like that. Just stuff to be able to sit down and DIY your own projects. And there's a bunch of other really knowledgeable people there and stuff. And so, uh, so being the little 12, 13 year old kid, I was, I was able to roam free in the summers. Uh, I found out about hack DC and, uh, um, how there's Javi, the owner, the, uh, operations manager of Baka Bak. He's the one he's been helping us out with security logistics. He's, he's fantastic. I love him. Uh, um, 
And okay, yeah, he wants me to call him. Cool. I'll call him when we're done here. Uh, and so I, little 13 year old me, would drive the metro from home to uh, to U Street, get off, and uh, walk the five blocks to the really, really sketchy neighborhood that it was for a 13 year old. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Wow. I'm really happy. I'm really happy with like the restaurants and stuff, and like the strip that they've put together there. And it's just, it's better for DC, I think. DC had a lot of. Uh, they didn't have a lot of like gun violent crimes because of DC's of just abysmal gun laws for the longest time until last year, and which it relaxed some on, and uh, and so there's just a lot of like person on person violent crime, like physical like baseball bats and knives and whatnot, and so we've I'm happy DC's looking up for the better and. Who knows? Maybe, maybe in a couple of years, I'll, I'll do cybersecurity work for a three-letter agency. Yeah, wait. you were so you were so casual about hacker hacker space in a church. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so it's a it's a Protestant church up there, and they've got like some upper office space uh, from when the church was built. Uh, like they had an addition built at one point, and that they were going to use for something, and they just never ended up using it. And so they figured out the best thing to do is just rent out that space and make a little bit of money, and so. The uh, like the members of Hack DC, there's a monthly membership fee, and uh, that membership fee kind of funds the uh, funds the space for us to have all this awesome gear. And all the members, once you've had your like, I think it's a three month vetting period, you get a key and a code so you can come in whenever you want. Wait, so a little bit of a change of subject, but you reminded me, um, when you were talking about the gun laws, so Washington state is open carry that's worth mentioning when we're telling all these stories Washington state is 100 percent open carry yeah but um i did want to ask you about something so in this picture that's gone viral uh, uh of you you're wearing one patch and it's a defense distributed patch um which is like pretty controversial i need to ask you about it uh, or at least the the guy behind that is pretty controversial cody wilson right Oh, oh, that's a that's a fun one, Cody, 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 Cody. You stupid thing! You had it all. You had the most controversial, awesome weapons company ever, and then you made a really stupid mistake by going and finding an escort on Craigslist who said she was eighteen, and you didn't verify. It. <laughs> that's that's my opinion on Cody. Uh, Deftist as a whole has started a movement that I think is fantastic. Uh, I fully believe in the right that everyone should be able to right to own and bear arms in almost any shape or form. My, I'm not for the audience. I'm not anti two A. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, but Second Amendment needs to have like even if it's just a uh, you have to get a license like you have a driver's license. Cars are tools. Guns are tools. Yeah. We should have a license for it. Once you have your license, you need to repass your license every, uh, let's say every year, uh, just, a a, like a written safety test call, like 15 or 30 questions or whatever the driver's license test is. And a, and a weapons call with a rifle, a shotgun and a handgun. And, uh, from there that gives you the right to bear arms, the right to own and bear arms. And once you pass those, you you have your gig and you can go do it and then you can go and I believe you should be able to purchase any type of weapon you wish, machine guns included, because well, I also all gun laws are infringements. Laws that take away and 
classify certain types of firearms and weapons platforms as like illegal, I believe those are those are illegal types of gun laws. But legal types of gun laws would be like something like a gun license. And it has to be it has to be a will issue if passed, uh, with the exception of uh a mental health history in the last two years of uh, a proven in- intent to do harm to others. Got it. So, that's, yeah, that's, that's my opinion on gun laws. And so, for the for and, the audience at home that does not know who Cody Wilson is, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that he was three. He was one of the guys, big guys, 3D printing guns, and then he invented some kind of device that would let you. Sort of like, uh, not 3D print, but it would like, like a CAD file. Create your own AR-15 receiver, but also uh, he started Patreon, which is like a Patreon for people who get kicked off Patreon. That's where he gets yeah, kind of like being too racist. Yeah, and then yeah. then you mentioned that he got uh, caught with so, like a 16 year old prostitute. He's like very controversial, right? Am I? Yeah. No, you're 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 spot on. He's done a lot of really controversial things. The uh, Patreon for people who got kicked off of Patreon was the big deal because he believes in the right to free speech regardless of your opinion, and he's he's very he's very well versed in the founding fathers' documents and ideas and ideals. Uh, he's read all of the Federalist Papers. He's read, I mean. Federalist Paper 14, uh, James Addison talked very heavily about why the right to bear arms is put there. It was put there to protect the rights of the people, especially the right to free speech. And so he believes in all of that to the fullest extent possible, which then becomes uh, a little controversial because a lot of people don't believe in them at that level. And somebody is walking up to my Jeep and pointing their phone directly at me again. Why are these plants trying to get in my head and ID me so hard? Uh, <laughs> we have we have so many confirmed both SPD plants and like alt right group plants. They do not blend in very well. How can we, you we tell? make them really fast? Uh, uh, but yeah, so he does a lot of really controversial things because he believes in things to a level where it becomes a controversial topic. So, but if we go back to the uh, so the ghost gunner, uh, it's basically, uh, it's a, it's a steel milling machine for, um, you drop in a jig and a block of steel or a, what's called an 80% lower, which is an unserialized weapons lower that is not completed. So yeah. it has more than 80% of the lower still intact. Got it. Uh, yeah. So those are not regulated by the um by the atf at all you can buy them unserialized you can toss it in your ghost gunner with the proper jig and uh hour to five hours later depending on which weapons platform or whatever you put in there you now have a functional firearm receiver yeah Uh, i mean that's i had to ask you about the patch because it's the only one you're wearing it's a you know it's uh, I know what that patch is. It's a yeah, file that says "come and take it." Yeah. Instead of a cannon, it's a file. Yeah. Um, and it refers to uh, basically, it's no longer illegal to possess like the the files to three D print a gun, right? Or distribute. It, it is in. It is still in several states: uh, California, New York, New Jersey. Uh, well, New York has relaxed it a lot. New Jersey hasn't had a really big case yet. 
Uh, but there's a, there's a decent bit of states that still it's illegal to possess certain files with intent to distribute them. So Got it. So, um, yeah, the patch, yeah. I mean, if I didn't ask you about it, I would hear from it with my listeners. It's like a glaring thing. And I guess that's like an interesting part of this conversation, too. And like... You yeah, know, you're talking the, about three percenters so and boogaloo boys. That, though, yeah, like is, here's the kicker to the patch, though. The second part of that is, uh, so they got Defense Distributed got a license from the U.S. State Department to release the CAD design files of the M4, the M16, the uh, M9, and I want to say there was one other rifle that I am blanking on. The mm, I want to say it was the uh, um. The needle, the Benelli, the 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 Benelli shotgun that the U.S. military uses, uh, as or at least the Marine Corps and the Army, and I think the Navy just switched back to the Benelli. Mm-hmm. The end. and so they got a license from the U.S. State Department to release these files to the public because they they found a legal loophole, and I don't want to say exploited so much as uh, non-monetary oh, you, form possible. You you cut out and briefly. So what happened? These states. Uh, oh, I cut out for a minute. Yeah, it's it's a it's okay. You can keep going actually. Yeah, they, they and had these a loophole. Sued uh, Defense Distributed, and they needed a way to get the legal money together. So they came up with this patch, which is a play on the original "Come and Take It" patch with the big old cannon in the middle, uh, with a file, and the saying behind it was, uh, uh, "Rifleman, it is your time." Uh, will you let these states take your first amendment right or uh, take your second amendment right to protect their first? I believe it was. And I might be having that back. Uh, take your first amendment right to protect your second because they were trying to ban the ability to possess these files at all. And that's what all these states, the attorney general sued defense distributed for because they viewed it as a danger that people had access to these 3d models that they could, because let's be real. A lot of politicians, don't know anywhere near as much about firearms as I would so prefer. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd think for something that is in the defining document of our country and our people, they'd know a little bit more about everything in it, but they don't. So I guess to tie this all up, I mean, we're talking about CAD files. We're talking about Cody, Cody Wilson and the three percenters and the Boogaloo boys. But like when it comes down to it, all of this is really about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. I mean, we're so deep into the like the the chop um, and or previously known as Chaz. All of this, it's it's uh, it's gone so far that it's easy to forget that that's what it's all about. So, I mean, uh, regardless of your you know position on three uh, D printed guns, like I mean, did you? Are you out there in part because of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement? Like, where do you sit politically with that? I assume you're a supporter. Uh, yes, I am. I've growing up in Springfield. Uh, fucking at this point, I've given people enough information to figure it out in Springfield. Sure. Uh, I was like, it's a very, like, it's a very uh, um, racially diverse community, and with that. I learned a lot about the struggles that a lot of other like people other than skin color of my own go through and deal with on a daily basis. Uh, in high school, me and my friend, it was senior year. We were driving home. Uh, I didn't have my license yet. I still had my permit at the time because I was lazy. 
And so we were driving home from school. We were going to his place to go, uh, I think, what had come out? Some video game had come out. We got the pre-order for it to pick it up, and we went home. And we got pulled over on the way home because his taillight was out. And the officer saw he was uh, saw he was an African-American, and he, the officer immediately hopped on the megaphone in his car, made him turn the car off, pulled the keys out the window, dropped the keys, unlocked the door, opened the door from the outside, step out, and walk backwards towards the sound of the officer's voice. And Jesus, I, as a white person, have never seen that before. It had never happened to me before. I had never witnessed that as a thing that had happened, except in like known violent criminals getting stopped by the police when like the police find out they've got a warrant after their arrest or whatever. And my friend, he was 17, Adam, he was, he was an awesome kid. We had known each other since the, since the fifth grade when he moved there. And it was a little scary because I didn't know what the officer was going to do. I didn't know what, Oh my gosh, did my friend do something? And he took it, he took it excellently. He, he handled it. He was very curt. He was very kind, professional with the officer and the officer was a little gruff with him. And I thought, Oh, maybe the officer is just having a bad day or whatever. But that was then looking back on it. Now I realize it's because the officer was racist because there was no warrant that for my friend's arrest. He had never been in trouble. He'd always been, he'd, he'd been, graduated valedictorian so yeah so that's you know it was crazy he was he was the good kid he never never got in trouble never did anything wrong and here he is out there having to fear for his life because he get pulled over because his taillight was out yeah i mean more than anything it's just it's interesting um it's interesting talking to you because it's like you know I mean, well, like right when we started, we kind of acknowledged like, you know, 20 something year old white guy redditor with a with an assault rifle. It's like <laughs> rarely do people hear that and think like, oh, that guy's up to something good, you know, but it's it's yeah, weird. There's I'm like such a, uh, there's so many range of. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, Hello. He's. I think he's. Uh, we don't have anyone responding because we're kind of short staffed right now. Okay. I I need someone. Uh, we need to get people on shift now if it's going to start heating up as it is. Yeah, it is starting heating up. Um, I don't know who to source. I'm. You know. Uh, has Slate showed up yet? Slate has showed up, but I do not know where. Uh, uh where get in contact with Slate and uh, send her my way, please. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Aku. Yeah, that's the other thing is we all try our damnedest to protect our identities. Uh, nine of us now who at least understand what tailing is and how to spot a tail have been tailed home. Oh, wow. So, yeah, or at least attempted tailed home, and usually we blow them. These guys are not very good at tailing, so we don't think they're police. So. Jeez. Um, what, uh, by the way, if you have to go, that's totally fine. Um, but you, you were saying... you. You were getting tailed. I don't know if you ever fully explained uh, that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like a tail for the listeners who don't really understand, like what tailing is. No, it's not pin the tail on the donkey. Your friend chasing after you with a pin and a and a foxtail. It's uh somebody or a group of people attempting to follow you to a location uh, by being as covert as possible. The best tails involve a group of sixteen to twenty people with uh, very good. Uh, live uh, voice communications that are encrypted and they have a route they know you take regularly and they can switch and choose cars or people following you 
Uh, that's what a tail is. These guys aren't very good. They have, uh, so far it's been three separate BMW sedans and two white Cadillac sedans. Hmm. They have all blackout and, uh, like the, the tinted out plate license plate covers for like, if you blow a red light, the camera flash goes off. These guys kind of have an idea of what they're doing, but they're really bad at following and being covert about it. But yeah, so nine of us have been tailed home or attempted tailed home. So we switched to uh, full code names internally on the security team, uh, except for the two who... Jesus Christ, Slade! Slade! Um, Slade, I got goodies. Slade just fucking walked up, jumped out behind my car. Hey. Uh, I got one already. Yeah. Yeah. Slate, we have tack planning to do. We have bad things coming. Okay. I'm going to take off for a few hours. Uh, if, you can, if you can get manpower here on the ground, please. Okay. We are way too short staffed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're going to leave. We're going to leave for like an hour. We're going to okay. go run the hot showers. We're yeah. Go, go take care of yourselves. Yeah. Taking care of yourselves priority number one. Do you need anything out? Uh, for you. I really don't want to say this. Anyway. But because I really don't want to start smoking again. Okay, well, uh, find me a pack of Marlboro Reds done. and a lighter. Uh, shorts. Okay, done. Thank you. Ooh, cowboy. Killer. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's that kind of day. Boy. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm three weeks no nicotine right now myself. Two minutes. Uh, yeah, no, I've been, it's been about pretty much since I moved to Seattle. Uh, so it's, it's that point. I need something to make my heart rate slow. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Um, so. I guess what we were talking about before, um, you know, there's, it, it's interesting because I was saying there's pretty much no good connotations anymore with like, the the twenty something year old white guy with a with an AR fifteen now with an assault rifle yeah. courtesy of everything from Columbine yeah onwards. but it's like it's interesting talking to you because like I mean it seems like you're one of those guys that seems to you know you're you're on the good side right and that's kind of comforting um you know you're here to help um what at least we would say is the good I mean I believe to be the good side obviously <laughs> like the right side of history. Um, but there's all these factions, uh, you, right? Uh, it's an open book test. There's, there's no need to die on the wrong side of history when it's all there for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least, you know, you're, you're there supporting the right side. Um, it's pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, we could let, we could let you go soon if you need to go, but, um, um I would actually love to, but I definitely want to sit down and, and like, chat with you guys on other stuff like sure. cybersecurity or video games or yeah why not, not really a big comic guy yeah. but I'll, I'll, I'll try if it's comics <laughs> yeah so um i love it jack jack needs to give uh give you my info yeah yeah, yeah gotta, i mean uh i believe we're all in that twitter group courtesy of uh yeah um, sure yeah oh lance bangs yeah Okay, cool. Yeah, I recognized um, him. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I profiled him right as he walked up because he was uh he was doing some work for Vice, doing camera work out here for Vice, and I'm like, is is that? And then I I kind of oh, tailed yeah, him a little bit later. Got, I saw his press tag. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I am. <laughs> that's really <laughs> that's really funny. I'm not gonna lie. I, I made a coronavirus playlist, and the first song in it is Corona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> the Minutemen. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so I guess okay. One final thing I want to ask you. I mean, you have this military experience. You're talking about tails. You're talking about, um, you know, cell phone intercepting devices and stuff. Um, I mean, something we need. We need general. Uh, Kitty's on her way. Yeah. Yeah, we might end up having to go to threat level two. Oh boy. Oh hey, Associated Press is here. Cool. You still with us? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Associated, uh, Associated Press just rolled up, and we have now two confirmed possible weapons or, or uh, concealed carry guys that are acting tense. I'll let you go, but one one last question, I guess. You have of this crazy background, military experience, and stuff. Some of the stuff you we I've heard you say it like, you know, a person could easily hear it and be like, "This guy is just paranoid." Like, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think you know uh, from your experience that the general public doesn't know? Like, what what do you wish people took more seriously and understood? Uh, I wish people would take more seriously that the major news outlets, Fox, CNN, RT. Almost every single one of them, at least the the countrywide level of them, not like the Fox subsidiary in DC or whatever. Those ones are usually pretty good most of the time. But like the bigger level major networks, they spin things their way to get the agenda they want for their political leaning. This is 2020, and we have we have the internet at our fingertips. We all carry around a supercomputer in our back pocket that is capable of a Google search. If you think it is the slightest bit fishy, take 10 seconds, punch it into Google, take a look at Wikipedia. Wikipedia has a lot of editors that do their thing and do it right and make sure the right info is there and the real info is there. And that's what needs, that's what the American public needs to do is they need to stop just settling for what comes across their TV and their Facebook feed. They need to go look at things and verify they're legit. Okay. That's a great point. Do you think, Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Of that, course. Do you think, um, in terms of like you're talking about tails and um, and you know the government like putting up cell phone interceptors or whatever? Like, do you think there's things that the government is like act actively doing right now that I think you think people need to pay more attention to? Uh, yeah, your your smartphone in your pocket is not secure, no matter how much you paid for it at the Apple Store. Uh, <laughs> Everything listens to you. Everything is monitored these days, except my except my like personal websites and things. But that's because I don't believe in trackers. Uh, yeah, everything is there to listen to you. If it is free, you are the product, and if it is free, you have broken a major tenet of cybersecurity and operational security of yourself. In that, you have now given someone your data under a term where they can do it. Read the TOU. It's all there. It's terms of use is all all defined, <laughs> and they sell it. It's how do you think Facebook stays in business? How do you think they pay for their servers? They take their user data and they sell it to big data companies who process it and use it for targeted advertising. Yeah, Brandon, do you have any That's, final questions? Uh, no, I mean, I I feel like I got a very raw glimpse into <laughs> everything happening right now. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Dude, uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> please keep us posted um, on Signal. Uh, we'd love to hear updates from uh, you. 
And um, I wish you, yeah. I, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, t- please stay safe out there. Absolutely, I will. I'll do my best. All right, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, good luck out there. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.